Welcome back to the program. Few classes in law school are drier and more arcane than courses on patents and copyrights. And while the debate about intellectual property includes our worlds of entertainment, literature, and technology, we don't often make the connection between these arcane laws and the Constitution that laid down their predicate and the creativity that they seek to protect. But that is exactly what my guest Elizabeth Wurzel does in her new book, Creatocracy. Elizabeth Wurzel is a best-selling author and journalist. She's the author of Prozac Nation, Bitch, and More Now Again. She's a graduate of Harvard and Yale Law School. And it is my pleasure to welcome Elizabeth Wurzel back to this program to talk about her newest work, Creatocracy, How the Constitution Invented Hollywood. Liz, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. It's great to have you here. This connection between what seems like the mundane world of patents and copyrights and all the laws that that underlie intellectual property and the degree to which that has resulted in the freedom for creative expression. Talk a little bit about that as a general construct first. The founders put um, patent and copyright in the Constitution. You know, it says it's one of the enumerated powers of Congress. Um, You know, it says Congress shall have the power. um, I can't think of the exact words right now, but it it gives them the power for, you know, copyright and patent. And it's one of the few very specific things in the Constitution. The Constitution is actually, you know, it's pretty general. It's mostly about setting up a government. There aren't too many specific things mentioned in it. And it's kind of odd that they thought of it because at the time there were no signs of anybody inventing anything or writing anything. There was certainly no sign that there would be, you know, movies and, um, you know, Silicon Valley. And I have to say, even the con, even the constitutions that were written after world war two mostly don't have trademarking and patent and copyright in them. It's one of the few constitutions that has it. And look at all that we have. We have Hollywood, Silicon Valley. We have, say, even Detroit, Broadway, the fashions of Seventh Avenue, Nashville, um, Motown. We have so much creativity and so much very commercial creativity. I think one of the great things that we do here is we make art that is very good that also sells. We're very good at making beautiful things that sell. And... That was what they did by including that in the Constitution is that they put creativity in the marketplace. They kind of invented the audience. And that was that was a great thing. In many ways, and it's interesting because you spend a lot of time talking about the founders and, and why they came to the language and the views that they did, that the idea was not only protecting intellectual property, but that it set the groundwork for popular entertainment in a very American kind of way. Yeah, well, I think that the idea was that not only would government be democratic, but culture would be democratic. The idea was that it's, it's, they would leave in the hands of the people not just what government to choose, but also they could, the, the people could choose what they enjoyed watching or listening to, or they, they just believed in democracy all around. It was complete democracy. And I feel like that that is a rather good policy because I think people are pretty good at deciding. I, I think there is no better way to choose 
quality than trusting the masses. I, I mean, it, it's sort of a surprising thing to say. You tend to think critics are better at it or experts are better at it. But the truth is that audiences have chosen Norman Mailer. Audiences have chosen Apocalypse Now. Audiences have chosen The Godfather. I mean, things that have gotten, a lot of what is popular is also very good. And I mean, a lot of what's popular is also very bad. But um, I would say that the marketplace is a better way to to find things than anything else. In places where it's all left to the government, it, a lot of terrible stuff, it, 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 where the government supports everything, it, more bad than good happens. It, it actually, uh, I mean, people are better at choosing things than, than a few experts. It, it actually, they, were, they had a, a, a good insight there. I, I, think it, I think it was very smart. In many ways, it runs counter to the idea that we hear a lot of times in, in cultural circles that if something is popular, it really can't be very good. Because just as Norman Mailer may have been popular at a particular time, unfortunately, the Kardashians are also popular. Yeah, well, you have to you get a certain amount of that. But, I mean, the best-selling band ever is the Beatles. And, I mean, you know, you can't tell me that they're no good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I just, I feel like, it's it's mostly been there is now the problem is that the market is failing because of piracy and we're now seeing what happens when when the marketplace has fallen apart but when it was working it worked quite well what uh, i mean a great deal of what was popular was excellent it's it's like the marketplace found Martin Scorsese. It sounds as uh, the, the Beatles is, but I could give you so many examples of excellent music: Nirvana, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan. It's not that. That's all stuff that that did quite well in the marketplace. It's not uh, great literature. It's Joan Didion, Norman Mailer, but even now, I mean, Jonathan Franzen. It's not. I don't. I don't feel like the problem is that it's not that the marketplace doesn't work. The problem right now that we have is that it's collapsed. And that, that is the result of technology and changes. And I mean, I don't know what we'll do about that, but I would say that there's going to be a new kind of culture that works with the changes because there has to be. But I don't think the problem is that the marketplace doesn't work. I think the problem is that there is no marketplace any longer. But I, I, but I would not say that it's because it, the market is a bad thing. I think it, it's the best way to, to do things. Where it's still functioning, it's still functioning mostly in TV, and we have excellent TV. One of the things that technology has done is that it has bifurcated and bifurcated and bifurcated again the marketplace to the, the extent that the long tail has created these niche markets where something that is widely popular in the broad sense of the word that we were talking about earlier, is no longer a reality. Yeah, it's very weird. It's it's so it's it's weird that there's no longer like something that everybody goes running for. I mean, I guess it's still the day that a Harry Potter book comes out. There's a bunch of thirteen-year-olds who get very excited about it. There are certain things that are still massively popular, but it is really strange that that no longer exists. That there's no longer. I guess it's it's would almost be like hegemony. Um, and I, that is kind of sad because it, it was nice that people formed lines around the block to see Star Wars, that there was this kind of common culture. And I guess the closest thing we have to that is people get excited about 
technology. I mean, there are lines around the corner when there's, I don't know, a new iPad. You know, it's, it's, it's shifted to something else. There is still, that does still exist, but it's about other things. It's, I, I think people, the, the new exciting thing is the technology itself. Um, I mean, what, what has now happened is like every kid doesn't want to join a band. Every kid wants to invent an app. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, it's just, I think it's, the, the impulses are still there. They've just shifted to other things. Well, still, I mean, I don't think human nature has changed. It's just switched into the excitement has moved into other realms. The excitement has moved into other realms, and the same fundamental basis that we started this conversation talking about in terms of, of protection of intellectual property is still just as valid. It's, it's just as valid in the pursuit of creating apps as it was in the pursuit of creating music. Yeah, the problem is that the music industry didn't protect itself very well, and therefore there's not much of a music industry left, and so there's no longer much money to be made in the music industry. And even kids understand that. So it's no longer exciting. The, the idea of growing up and being a rock star, there aren't really any new rock stars. There are new tech stars. So kids want to be tech stars. It's like the culture is shifting. What looks desirable to kids is different, but that's what's happened. It's just, I mean, you can see that that's what the, that's what's changed. It's it's like everyone wants to major in computer science now. Everyone, it's it's just you can see it happening. You can see you can see culture evolving. People spend their downtime and their uptime, it seems, like on Facebook. That's that's what people do now instead of spending their time like listening to music. And in fact. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, they will be people having this conversation, talking about something entirely new and looking at technology and things like Facebook as if they were things in the distant past that people used to do. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it's, I think the thing to do is not lament the, the changes, but realize that that's just what happened. It is something I, I actually, I personally Lament them because I think, I think we're, I think we're music is an amazing thing, and I, I do think teenagers are better off putting headphones on and listening to rock music than they're better off doing that than just engaging in social media, which just amplifies their craziness. But um, I do think, what could you do? This is what's happening, and I think it's a mistake to argue with how things have changed. You just, I mean, because, and you can't, you can't argue with that. Part of what you write about is the underpinnings of that change, whether it's technology, whether it's music, whether it's literature, that all of this is allowed to happen. This creative destruction can happen because of the protection of intellectual property. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I would say that to the extent that, I, I mean, the, the movie business is still, functioning pretty well because they're pretty good at protecting their intellectual property. Whereas the industries that have not been good at protecting their intellectual property have fallen apart. Like the music industry, people still go to movies and still love them. And that's, that's how it works. But it is an amazing thing that the founders thought to, it seems to me that 
they thought to put the in 1789, you know, the word exclusive right is in the Constitution. It says that for limited times, authors and inventors will have an exclusive right to their work. It says that in the Constitution. And it seems to me that that created a world. I mean, we no longer manufacture in this country, but we invent so much that uh, that that isn't likely to stop. This is an incredibly inventive, creative place. And I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's interesting how money and the marketplace enter into the equation because it, 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 the comparison between the music business and where it is, it's at today and the movie business is an interesting parallel because if you look at the cost of a movie ticket over the past 30 years, the change is not that fundamentally dramatic. The way the movie business has thrived is by finding new outlets and new sources for the product. Whereas the music business resorted to pure greed and dramatically increased the cost of the product for so long that it created the backlash that it did. Yeah, it, it seems to have. I mean, I think a lot of people who really love music were excited to have the option of free of file sharing and free downloads and didn't realize that they were contributing to the demise of the thing they loved. And in the meantime, the music industry did not do much to stop it, they when Steve Jobs decided that he would break up, I mean, the thing is that the biggest change was allowing iTunes to break up albums into individual songs. And once you do that, you have, you, you change the way people listen to music. People stop listening to albums. They only listen to individual songs. And so everything becomes hit singles. And that makes developing talent, you know, there's less incentive to do that because you don't need you just need one-hit wonders. You know, you just need Ariana Grande. You don't need Nirvana anymore. And so you need, I mean, it changes the whole way it functions. You, you don't even need, I mean, you don't, you don't need the music industry. And it's not like, I mean, a song on iTunes, it costs 99 cents or a dollar 99, whatever it is. It, it doesn't cost enough to support, I mean, never mind that Spotify, you know, doesn't cost enough to support artists in any kind of serious way. And as a result, the whole thing has fallen apart. Um, whereas I feel like the movie industry has found ways to make it work for themselves. Somehow, I don't know. It, it, it seems like all of these businesses at one time had, had something that everybody wanted and they were counting on that lasting forever. Um, they didn't have like a good business plan at the time, their business plan was, we have something everybody wants. That, that's not going to, you, you need more than that. You, you, need to, you need to have a plan for when technology makes everything much more accessible. They weren't counting on this. I think nothing lasts forever. I think that's the thing everyone should keep in mind is mm -hmm. that, you know, things change. And uh, they forgot that. Of course, a lot of these companies, particularly in the music side of the business, got very fat and very lazy as a result of, of making the kinds of profits that they did for so long. Oh yeah. No, they were really, it's, in, it's incredible the things they did. I mean, you think about it, you know, the best selling American band is the Eagles. And I think about how many bands they signed that either sounded like the Eagles or just looked like the Eagles. And let, they let them make say four albums 
with the best producers, the best studio musicians. They gave them tour support and none of those albums sold at all. But the bands had long hair and kind of, they let them live in Malibu and have cocaine on every flat surface. And they paid for the whole thing. And finally, somebody said, okay, this isn't working after four failed albums and eight years of tour support. And, and they could do this because even with all that failure, they still, had, they still had plenty of money in the bank. So they had no idea what to do when, when the problems came along because it's like at one time could sign any old band that you saw do a five-minute set at the Whiskey A Go-Go and it would sell. Or it, it's like, or you could take a chance. And I mean, so it was pretty easy. But that is no more. So, yeah, they, they got, I mean, they had a good thing going. I mean, I think about it's like, it's, it's just like the book business thinks its problem is Amazon, but its problem is the kinds of things they did when things were better. Now they would, for hype's sake, they'd give a half a million dollar advance to like a first time author of like a highly literary novel that nobody could possibly get through. I mean, they, they made lots of mistakes. There wasn't, I mean, I remember when I, when I wrote Prozac Nation, I had to convince them that a memoir was a good idea. They couldn't see that. So it's just, I, I have to say, it's like they can blame the Internet for their problems, but I think they should blame themselves for their problems. It's interesting, though, to note that today we are seeing exactly the same thing happen in technology. We're seeing these companies come along, a couple of kids with an idea for an app or some kind of technological product, and venture capitalists start throwing millions and millions and millions of dollars at it. Some of them work out, some of them don't, but it is exactly the same thing that you're talking about that happened in other creative businesses. Oh, yeah. I mean, as I said, human nature is, you can count on human nature to be the same. There's, I mean, when, when there's money to throw around, people will throw it around. And it, I mean, it's like the chances of common sense prevailing when there's too much money are, are rather slim. So, I mean, soon something else will come along and it will, I have no doubt. I think, and I, I think whatever it is people are panicking about now, they'll be panicking about something else later. And I, I think there's, there's, I mean, the, the one thing is there's never any point panicking. It's, it's just, it, now it's this and it'll be that. To me, it's all just interesting. It'll, it'll sort itself out one way or another. Is there something uniquely American about this phenomenon that we're talking about? Well, probably. I think we, we take big chances and it works out. I mean, we, we, we get pretty far with it. We did invent the movie camera. We did invent Hollywood. We did invent Silicon Valley. It's, it's not a bad thing. The fact is that by overreacting, we come up with great new things. It happens here. It doesn't happen in Papua New Guinea. So I think people are, I mean, it seems like all this craziness. I mean, there is a certain kind of craziness that is quite an American thing. And I mean, there, there are a few things that do it. I mean, between, I mean, the things that make this country great are the mixture of capitalism, the value of intellectual property, the fact that we're a country of immigrants. So there's a constant invigoration of, of our, of our, of, of people coming here with new ideas. I mean, that makes, that makes such a difference. I mean, we've always been, so it's, it's, it's a very exciting place. It's a place that there's always something going on. 
So I, it seems to me that, that it, it's very likely that it's going to be a place of a lot happening. I, I think it's always been this way. But I think, I mean, it's, it's kind of like it's Sutton's law. Like, why did he rob banks? That's where the money is. And I think it seems like that people, I, I don't think people, are, I mean, I think people do things because they're interested in them. But also, that's where the money is. So it, it's, there is this sort of like the California gold rush. There's always something people are in mad pursuit of. Elizabeth Wurzel, her book is Createocracy, How the Constitution Invented Hollywood. Elizabeth, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, thank 